Section 16 of the American Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Smith. The American Egypt by Channing Arnold and Friedrich J. Tabor Frost. Section 16. In Search of the Mayan Mecca, Part Two. First, we started to inspect the ruins. They were singularly disappointing. The chief one was a two-roomed house standing on a mound some twenty feet square. There were no statues, no bas-reliefs, no hieroglyphics. It was desolate enough. But it had had, we learnt, its modern uses. For five years back, when a terrible hurricane had swept the island, the whole village had been blown away, and this Indian ruin was for days the only shelter of the disconsolate villagers. Next, an almost violent discussion occurred among our score or so of self-appointed guides. It seemed on the point of developing into civil war, when we luckily gathered that our old friends, the Garapatas, were the cause of all the trouble. The villagers wanted to show us another ruin, but they were so distressed at the thought that we should get covered with the insects in our walk thither. It took some minutes to persuade them that we were quite accustomed to this etc. of travel in their country, and then, with half a dozen men and boys whooping with twigs the bushes on each side and sweeping the path before us, we made our way through the bush to a fine arched doorway hopelessly overgrown another such had stood some yards away relics evidently of a once considerable building there was nothing much worth seeing now but we concealed our disappointment as well as we could for the el sidralites were really so friendly that we were ashamed to let them think that we viewed our journey as a fiasco as we returned into the village a little lad after a shy consultation with his father sidled up to one of us and picked a grapatus off our shoulder blushing at his boldness we supped in an indian hut and then in the moonlight sat out on the village green talking astronomy of all things despite linguistic disabilities we prevailed upon the yucatecan villagers to believe that the glorious moonlight was borrowed but the children did not care about solar or lunar problems and they romped round us with the dogs, tumbling over one another in the ecstasy of their play, content that they were young and happy and that chubby brown legs were made to run with. It was quite Arcadian, this little village, with the homely lights streaming out from the white-faced huts, the merry laughter of the youngsters, the caressing warmth of the night air, and the blackness of the rustling trees flashing into a myriad ever-shifting points of light as the fireflies flew from bow to bow we slept well in the town hall the village clock of large american make brightest jewel in the municipal crown ticking in homely fashion behind us but with the dawn we were disillusioned as to the hospitality of arcady for we found we had to foot quite a large bill for our entertainment this is really one of the most difficult problems in yucatan you never know whether you are a paying guest or not the head of a village orders your meals accompanies you to them and sees that you like for nothing you naturally regard him as your host 
but if he is a yucatecan this is the last thing he intends the difficulty lies in the fact that the true spaniard is hospitable and would never forgive the insult of money offered for a meal and you never quite feel safe in assuming that the half-bred don expects you to pay he may just have spanish blood enough to resent the offer of money our ride back to san miguel was uneventful before leaving don luis we cross-examined him as to the ruin he had seen forty years back and arranged that he should come on in a day or two to help in the search he described it as being approached by some fifteen steps about a foot wide each as having two doors ceiling of stone floor of cement or stone no seats or ornaments within no figures carvings or hieroglyphics but the inner walls painted in blue scroll work from the eastern doorway he remembered seeing the sea plainly over many miles of woodland as we were dismounting outside our headquarters at san miguel a terrific to-do occurred in the village street there were cries of el toro el toro and the woman rushed out from the huts to gather the children together and take them into shelter we thought at least a wild bull had come down from the woods and was disemboweling the jefe a minute more and to our surprise there came round the corner an undersized black steer one man in front hauling on a rope round its horns and another behind with a long pole it was just such a youthful bullock as an english country lout would have spanked out of his way in the farmyard gallant yucatecans we spent the next few days arranging our plan of campaign for the search for mecca it was quite astonishing how little anybody knew of the topography of the island they were all content to live on year after year and never venture more than three or four miles into the forest don lewis knew more than anyone and having stumbled quite by accident in pursuit of a pig over a remarkable ruin he had been content to let forty years pass without attempting to revisit the spot roughly cozumel is divided into three half circles a belt on the west coast of cultivated ground an inner belt but a few miles wide of woodland in which cattle roam more or less intersected by indian trails and then the forest in the work before us horses were no good every foot of ground must be won from the relentless vegetation by axe and machete we arranged that don lewis and his four sons should hunt mecca on his clue avarice is the best-setting sin of all yucatecans so we agreed to pay him a daily wage and tempted him into assuity by the promise of a large lump sum if he found the temple it was worth anything to us if we succeeded but we did not let the shrewd-eyed knave know that our own search party consisted of our two selves and an excellent indian whose knowledge of the forest seemed extensive and peculiar we drew a map of the island marking a probable area whereabouts tradition suggested mecca lay and then we plunged compass in hand into the bowels of cozumel we steered first to the east coast an indian trail leads thither to where some few miles from the beach is a spring of fresh water and the relics of an indian town attracted by the water supply an attempt had been made in recent years to clear the ground there but vegetation in cozumel is luxuriant 
and the space cleared one season is by the next four feet high in undergrowth this well was known as san benito we rechristened it san mosquito for the fury of the cancun insects paled before the winged inhabitants of this spot which we chose for our headquarters for the next three weeks the man of science will tell you that there are two types of mosquitoes there is the one which out of the pure high spirits generated by getting at you stands on its head and waves its hind legs in the air before it samples your gore this is the anopheles which travels in malaria and elephantitis and then there is the more sedate self-controlled type which keeps one might say an even keel on alighting this is the culex which makes a special line in yellow fever we should like to venture on an entirely new and strictly psychological division of these midget fiends and class them as the dervish mosquito and the philosopher mosquito when one gets several thousand miles away from mosquitoes it is quite curious how sympathetically one can reflect upon the disappointment their life must often be to them their life is very brief a week or so and their normal diet is insipid in the extreme a drop or two of the juice or moisture of fruit now a mosquito yearns for blood as an old maid does after a husband and for nature to condemn it to a week or two of life sustained on the moisture of plants is like feeding a line on bread and milk one's sympathies are all with the mosquito so far there is no hell like unsatisfied longings and if one good long drink of blood means one more mosquito happy only a churl would grudge it what one does feel that one has a right to demand is that mosquitoes should study to have a good bedside manner this is just what they lack one would find it hard to forgive a dentist who forceps in hand danced a wild cancun before you as you writhed in anticipation in his chair yet this in effect is just what the dervish mosquito does it comes at you with the speed of a rocket with the whiz and whirl of a racing motor it hurls itself at you with the rage and energy of a fanatic it bustles and flusters you when it really ought to soothe you by its gentle approach so that your better nature might get the mastery and incline you to say drink pretty creature drink this is all very short-sighted of the mosquito one feels as did the french general at balaclava as he watched the charge of the light brigade that it is magnificent but it is not cricket but the mosquito cannot help all this it is a sublime enthusiast it chucks good manners and caution to the wind think of its damp and dreary past its blighted life in a dank forest nourished on the moisture of plants and then like a bolt from the blue comes a human being along the serried ranks of mosquitoes the signal runs blood the mosquitoes see blood they are metamorphosed into fanatics as wholehearted as the dervishes whose spear in hand sees the joys of paradise and its black-eyed houris before them if a mosquito was not a fanatic it would not make such a noise a fanatic always dies shrieking there is nothing which prevents the dervish mosquito from alighting quietly and getting into work long before you knew it was there the philosopher mosquito does it lights on you with such elastic tread that the most sensitive skin would not feel it 
and then it gets to work with a cold calm cynical assurance of a practiced dissector but this has its drawbacks too the philosopher mosquito is in danger by reason of its own absorption concentrated upon its long drink it gets killed in a humiliating way like a man on whom a five-ton chunk of stone falls from a steam crane while he has his nose in a can of beer the darvish mosquito on the other hand falls fighting brandishing its spear its wild battle cry on its lips one cannot help admiring the darvish mosquito the most there were two or three old palm-thatched huts at san benito and we slung our hammocks in the best reserved one if we lived a century we should never forget our nights there it is ridiculous to call them nights they were not nights at all they were orgies of blood and death the mosquitoes flew at us shrieking like rockets and we hammered them to death on one cheek or wiped them off from the other the persistence of those insects was truly appalling we tried everything we had heard that if you let mosquitoes alone they are content with one bite either there is nothing in this theory or the insects of san benito were the exceptions which proved the rule with a patience worthy of a racked galileo we lay quite still and invited them to become free fooders we prayed them to bid us good-bye and go but they would not go they found parting such sweet sorrow never did mary jane's young man linger with such persistence in the hall over his adieus as did those insects they were not content with one stroke and divide they flew off to the woods at least a few of them did and brought a lot more from free fooders they turned into whole hoggers they had no gratitude these winged gluttons they were overdoing it it was not really kind we felt to encourage them in thus laying up the seeds of disease for their old age so we called time and started on new tactics we had no nets but we covered ourselves up with our blankets and for a few pleasant moments we cynically enjoyed listening to the shrieks of the darvishes as they threw themselves upon the wool then there was a lull and silence and after a time as it was stifling hot we had to put our heads out to breathe and then oh lord then we realized the persistence of the mosquito it is the bitter beast which bides its time and bites it did bide its time it mounted guard like a policeman on point duty and when we appeared it seemed to shriek now i've got you as it hurled itself forward the reckless courage of those insects simply compelled admiration they did not care about death they did not care how heavy your hand was they did not care if in their eagerness they got inside your hammock and you rolled on them they only wanted blood your blood and they died happy drinking it death was sweet to them if they could reach you like the bees of whom virgil sings animosque in Valner Valnant they joyfully left their lives in the wound we blasphemed so shockingly that we lost all respect for each other as the tropic night wore on our language wore out we racked our memories for the foulest words the most blood-curdling oaths we had ever heard until at last we reached such a point of desperation 
that we felt like leaping from our hammocks firing a feu de dolor from all six chambers of our revolvers and then committing suicide by hurling ourselves down the well seriously though during all the days we spent at san benito we never got a good night's rest and with the dreary diet of tortillas rice and eggs one has to be a very enthusiastic ruin hunter not to get thoroughly sick of the work to those who ramble at will through the sunlit forests of england france or the tyrol who know no other no real conception of the task before us is possible byron in child harold sings there is a pleasure in the bathless woods ay and there is a terror not the terror of hunger or of cold not the terror of thirst or of death but a terror which strikes you dumb which makes you cringe before the awful majesty of nature as we broke into the dread stillness of those woods through which no white foot had ever passed there came upon us an inexpressible dread not of physical dangers for there were none of something we knew not what as of haunted men as we hacked our way foot by foot a darkness not of night but of a dim shadowy world peopled by the fantastic shapes of trees which had tortured each other into twist and gnarl in their fight for light came on us work heavens how we worked it was our only refuge from the dread we worked like the proverbial niggers and the sweat poured down our faces dribbled into eyes and ears marked great stains on our khaki and moistened the handles of our axes till it was hard to hold them firm outside a mirrored birds coursed in the blaze of sunshine we had left from bush to bush the glorious cardinal bird red from beak point to tail feathers flashed its miracle of color green parrots circled and screamed red-headed woodpeckers beat their insistent beats on the hollowed tree trunk the chaws plump bodies electric blue heads and wings abon clustered in chattering groups amid the sugar-cane and hummingbirds of purple green and russet winged lightning flight around the blossoms within for us was stillness the majestic awful stillness of god's woodland no creature moved no sound broke the silence no ray of sunlight filtered in upon us through the black canopy of leaf only weirdest of all day after day there fluttered around us wherever we went a butterfly a monster of exquisite blue five inches at least from wing point to wing point dancing in the gloom from tree trunk to tree trunk like some mascot it pleased us to imagine that it was the same butterfly that it was a mascot dancing before us to show us the way to mecca it was a pleasant conceit but it led to nothing the butterfly had not any right to be out of the sun in a pitch-black wood and for us at least he never cut any ice he simply fluttered round us and did no good for as far as mecca was concerned our almost savage efforts to find it were abortive for weeks we searched our only way of retracing our path was to notch the trees as we cut night by night we crept wearied and blistered and torn out of the forest day by day we started again cutting and recutting crossing and recrossing east to west 
north to south at every half mile sending the indian up some tree to spy the land meanwhile our little friend don lewis and his four sons had joined in the chase and they worked hard too they came over to san benito with a pony loaded with tortillas and encamped in the other hut whence at dawn they started each day with a dozen dogs to ransack that part of the forest where don lewis declared the temple was but expert woodmen as they were it was all no good some five years back a terrific hurricane swept over cozumel and this don lewis declared had changed the whole face of the forest he found himself a very tyro at woodmanship in this great black eight hundred square mile patch of woodland its undergrowth fenced and littered with the trunks of fallen trees now veritable snares for the unwary buried in dense shrub don lewis richly earned his daily pay he did not care about temples but he did care immensely about the lump sum which as the carrots in front of the donkey we had dangled in front of his yucatan avarice we would have trebled that sum if he could have succeeded though we did not tell him so when with almost tears in his cunning eyes he formally confessed failure because to have told him so might have really driven him to suicide he had hunted in a set area and we had wandered at will over the forest in all directions and explored cozumel as it had never been explored before thus it would have been a marvel if we had not found something we did we found a ruined city lying at equal distance from san miguel and san benito towards the northern end of the island the ruins were in two groups about three-quarters of a mile apart and suggestive of a once quite considerable town the first group consisted of two buildings standing a few yards apart on small terraces about eight feet high and facing southeast both two-roomed they each measured forty feet by twenty-seven a small platform extending towards the south-east making each terrace a solid block of forty feet square on the outside they are both unornamented but the inside walls of the one on the northeast are ornamented from the floor to where the roof commences with that curious decoration which is met with again and again in so many mayan buildings the red hand it was the best preserved of this kind of decoration we had seen in the islands or on the mainland and by the curious formation of some of the marks it is certain that they were not as is supposed impressions made by dipping the hand in color or in blood and then stamping it on the wall they seem rather to have been made with a straight five-toothed instrument like a painter's graining comb around this whole coloring was a scroll-work pattern of the same tint giving it the appearance of a frame fifty yards in front of these two buildings stood a third facing west and measuring eighty feet by thirty and consisting of a small one-roomed house and a pillared temple the roofs of which had both fallen here as at cancun we were struck by the prevalence of the rounded pillars halfway between the first and the second ruins were the remains of two more buildings but these were so shattered as to defy any attempts at a suggestion of what they had been like at the back of the first set standing isolated in the bush was a remarkable 
monolithic rounded pillar close on nine feet high the second group of ruins stands away from three-quarters of a mile through the woods to the westward we were attracted neither by the appearance of a gigantic clump of trees towering up above the others as if marking the spot of some ancient mounds on arrival there we found that it did not consist of one mound but three all joining at their base and of rough unhewn stone they averaged about forty feet in height on the ground level at the side of them stood a small one-roomed house probably the home of a priest or custodian whose duty was to watch over these pyramids these mounds were remarkable not only by the fact of their queer juxtaposition but for the fact that on careful examination we found no trace of a building of any sort upon the top of them that they were artificial there can be no shadow of doubt that they were lookouts like the mounds examined by us on the coast is impossible for in the heart of the island they could have served no such purpose what we would suggest is that cozumel formed at one time a mayan valhalla where by reason of the intense sanctity of the soil the bodies of the greatest caziques and the most revered of priests were brought from the mainland to be buried in the sacred isle thus these three mounds we believe to be simply sepulchral the excavation of which a gigantic task would probably prove of the greatest interest we had heard a rumor of the existence in the northern woods of a large stone and cemented dome-shaped building doorless and sealed all round we tried to find this but failed this too was probably a tomb about a hundred yards to the northeast of this trio of mounds stood a castillo on a pyramid the two-room building on the top being reached by a stairway on the southwest the temple was unadorned by any paintings ornaments or hieroglyphics but was remarkable for the extraordinary smallness of the apertures which apparently served for doorways the ground plans of this ruined city which are reproduced will give some idea of its size again and again in the woods we encountered remnants of what appeared to be a series of concentric walls they were certainly artificial and their building must have entailed immense labor for the stones were often very large these wall fragments resemble nothing so much as a breastwork or hastily improvised fortification we have two theories about them either the island was originally very carefully apportioned and the holy of holies was surrounded by a series of complete walls at a distance from one another of about a mile and a half which served as a series of milestones for the pilgrims making their way to the shrine from all the coasts of the island or on the first alarm of the spanish invasion stone fortifications were roughly improvised around mecca so that if the foreigner ventured into the forest each wall could be defended thus delaying if not actually preventing his reaching the temple the first theory gains a certain support from the fact that in some places we found suggestions of a small ruined house attached to the wall which might have been a kind of toll-house where the pilgrims paid a tribute to the mayan hierarchy for permission to pass the little finds we made in the shape of stone axes pottery beads and so on 
were no solace to us for our disappointment we had sought mecca in vain we had spared neither money nor energy and we had just this comfort that we had done more in the exploration of the island than anybody before us still it was as beaten men that we returned after our mosquito-ridden semi-starvation sojourn in the forest to san miguel there the carnival was at its height little the yucatecans wrecked of ruined temples and mayan problems it was enough for them that the sun shone that they had herbrano and anise to drink and that there were girls to dance with and make love to ten tray music and a charvaret of drum and horn fought for mastery over wild whistlings and catcallings and the loud laugh which spoke the vacant mind the few horses of the island had been requisitioned to carry ludicrously drunk yucatecans in paper caps and masks up and down the beach and around the plaza those who could not ride found satisfaction sufficient for their senseless mirth in running behind and shouting we were hungry to escape from this very unsatisfying gaiety and we wanted to cross to the mainland where exactly opposite cozumel lie the ruins of tulum but this proved absolutely impracticable as we have said in the previous chapter the indians are encamped there and thanks to the brutal treatment they have received they shoot white men at sight no boatman could be found to cross to the shore even though we offered such record prices as a hundred dollars for the ten miles we had sent a message down to ascension bay to general bravo telling him of our wish to land on the coast hereabouts and asking for the escort which had been promised us by the officials in mexico city the general's answer was a polite shuffle he did not want us to visit his headquarters and he knew that if he gave us an escort not a man of it would survive to return to ascension bay he delayed answering our letter until he felt certain that our patience was exhausted and that we should have started on our return journey for the north coast as a matter of fact his letter followed us to merida and was such a tissue of prevarication as proved how anxiously he guards the secrets of his ineffective campaigning in truth his position was a difficult one for the dangers to which we asked permission to expose ourselves and demanded that he should expose his escort are very real indeed an attempt to explore this portion of the eastern littoral would be about as safe as jumping in front of an express train travelling at sixty miles an hour should an enthusiastic archaeologist endeavour to traverse the country there is little uncertainty as to what would be his fate committed to impenetrable forests trackless waterless save for pools in the limestone rock hidden under matted leaves and undergrowth defying better eyes than his to find he would stumble on tripped up by lianus wounded by thorns through an arboreal darkness and thickness too complete for his eyes to see ten yards but every inch of his halting progress would be watched not for a moment would he escape the eyes of his enemies the end would soon come it might be in days it probably would be only hours most likely while wearied out he rested on a fallen tree trunk for centuries of spanish bigotry and cruelty and the 
merciless of latter-day mexicans have robbed the indian of all claims to be called noble savage to-day he is no sportsman but shoots his game sitting a shot fired twenty-five feet from him in the bush would be the last sound he would ever hear his body riffled perchance mutilated would be left to rot where it lay food for the mirrored cleanly ants and earth beetles which swarm the matted tangled bed of a tropical forest end of section sixteen recording by john smith